as well. Well, we're going to jump into our sermon uh, together, and this is uh, part four of our Advent series called Candy Cane Christmas. And uh, Pastor Ben and I are taking a little bit of a different approach to Advent this year, and we're focusing on this theme, this topic of Jesus as the Good Shepherd. So we've been examining some passages that really aren't associated with Advent in a traditional sort of way. And what we've done is we've taken these passages, either these prophecies or these moments in the gospel, where Jesus reveals himself as the Good Shepherd, and ultimately, at Christmas time, we celebrate and we point to the baby born of Mary that we find in the manger as that good shepherd. The shepherd who takes care of us, the shepherd who watches out for us, the shepherd who leads us with his voice. <clears throat> so today, we're examining another one of these passages, Matthew 26. Now, as I read through that passage, you probably recognize the words, especially if you're connected with New Life. You definitely recognize those words because we say them every single week. We say them every week during our time of what we call communion or the Lord's Supper. We repeat the words of Jesus at this moment, which is what we call the Last Supper. And that's what we're di diving into today. So we begin in Matthew 26, verse 26, and it reads this, While they were eating, Jesus took a loaf of bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. So we jump into the middle of this passage with this phrase, while they were eating. Now this tells us that they were in the middle of a meal. And we get some context if we read the rest of 26 before and some 25 and later in 26. We kind of get the context of what kind of meal this is. This isn't just a dinner. This isn't just a normal everyday meal. This is a really, really important meal that they're having right now in this passage. It's like Christmas supper important. This is called the Feast of Unleavened Bread, or the Feast of the Passover. And this was, for the Israelites at the time, like the Super Bowl of holidays. This is like their Christmas. This is the time of year that everybody gets together with their family, everyone's traveling, everyone's having these big feasts, these big meals together, and you're seeing all your family. This is like the premier holiday that everyone is getting ready for. They look forward to it all year long. And what the uh, festival of Passover, the Feast of Passover, or the Feast of Unleavened Bread celebrates is God rescuing the Israelites out of Egypt. So the story of Exodus, or if you've watched the, like that movie, The Prince of Egypt, then you know the story, right? That God rescued the Israelites out of slavery. He sent Moses. Moses commanded Pharaoh to release the Israelites. He said no. God sent some plagues. Pharaoh continued to say no. And finally, uh, God sent the last plague, which was called the angel of death. This was the, um, the, the worst of the plagues. Because what this angel did was kill the firstborn son of every living thing. Human, animal, and everything in between. And the reason they call it Passover is because God made a promise. He said to the Israelites and any of those in Egypt who wanted to be in relationship with God, who wanted to be his people, could kill a lamb on the night that the angel was supposed to come, kill a lamb and put the blood on the doorposts on your house. And if you killed the lamb and put their blood on the doorpost, the angel of death would pass over that household and everyone would be safe in that household. That's why they called it the Feast of the Passover. The reason they called it the Feast of Unleavened Bread 
is because God had also given specific instructions to the Israelites to be prepared to leave Egypt quickly that night. He said, after this happens, you're going to have to get out of Dodge. You're going to have to run. And so they didn't have time. He didn't want them to take time to leaven their bread and let it rise. So he said, just make your bread, bake it, don't let it rise, just to be ready. Pack up your bags, be ready to go, because as soon as I say go, you're out of here. You're running. So this festival, by the, time, uh, by the time of Jesus, was this big festival where they would have some unleavened bread to remember that night. And they would also go through this whole ceremony of reminding themselves of the Exodus. That's the context of this supper, while they were eating. Now Jesus, in this text, does something really important. He takes this moment where they're remembering God's salvation of the Israelites by the blood of a lamb... He points to himself, and he says, I am that sacrifice. And specifically, he is going to be betrayed, betrayed, and he's going to be given up for sacrifice by his disciples. Right before this passage, he tells them that somebody is going to betray him. He's talking about Judas. So he knows that Judas is going to betray him. He tells the disciples this is going to happen. And then immediately after this passage, which we get into a little bit, he, he predicts that uh, Peter is going to deny him three times. And he tells the disciples, as we'll see here in a little bit, that they're going to desert him. They are going to leave him. They are going, he is going to be by himself, given up to the Romans to be killed as a sacrifice. This is the context of this passage. It's a highly charged, very tense moment here. And this is what we jump into with while they were eating. We're jumping right into the middle of this thing. Not exactly an Advent or Christmas kind of passage, right? Not one that we normally do. But there's something really important that Jesus says here. So let's continue on. <clears throat> Jesus said to them, You will all become deserters. This is at the end of the passage. I'm jumping around a little bit. You will all become deserters because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. He quotes uh, this quote from prophecy, and he tells them they will all be scattered because he is going to be struck. The shepherd, if the shepherd dies, the sheep have nowhere to go. They don't know what to do. I don't know if you've ever spent time with sheep, or if you've ever tended to sheep, but sheep are kind of dumb animals, right? They're not that smart. They don't know what to do, and in fact, we've bred sheep to be so in such a way that if they get out and they are on their own in the wild, they will probably almost assuredly die because they don't know how to get the food safely. They don't know how to navigate the world safely. They're not a wild animal. They're very, very domesticated. And in fact, the way that we've bred sheep now is their wool won't stop growing unless we shear them. Sheep are completely helpless without shepherds, without people taking care of them. And that's what he says here. When the shepherd is struck, when the shepherd dies, the sheep scatter because they don't know where to go. They don't know how to take care of themselves. They don't know where to find food. They don't know which pastures to go to. They don't know when they're safe or when they're in danger. They just don't know. So they need the shepherd. And what we've heard over the last three weeks is that Jesus is a good shepherd. In fact, he is the good shepherd. And we are his sheep. And so this is the hard truth. 
that we've faced the last three weeks, that we are sheep, that we need somebody to lead us. Despite all of our own pretension that we have things figured out, despite acting like we know what we're doing when we talk to our friends and our neighbors and our family members, we really, we're, we're scared. We don't know how to operate in the world. We don't know where we're going. And oftentimes we're struck with grief or with worry or with anxiety because we don't know if we're doing things right or if what we're doing is if we're going in the right direction or how we're supposed to parent or be a spouse or how we're supposed to do our taxes or how we're supposed to move our money around. We just don't know everything and we need help. We need somebody to lead us. So this is the truth that we face today. We are sheep. We need a shepherd. And Jesus is that shepherd. He's the shepherd to the disciples and he's the shepherd to us. And in fact, shepherds do a really important work. What they do is they actually tell the sheep where to go. They lead them to the right pasture to get their food. They lead them to the right pasture to lay down and go to sleep. They take care of them. And Jesus actually leads the disciples in a similar way in this passage. He tells them to go to at least two different places in this passage. And so we have here from verse 29 and verse 32, this is what he says from verse 29. I tell you, I will never again drink of, the fruit, of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. That's the first place he tells them to go. You are headed toward my Father's kingdom. That's the pasture. That's where we're all going together. And he says, I'm not going to eat, I'm not going to drink of the vine, of the fruit of the vine. It means he's not going to have wine, he's not going to celebrate, he's not going to, you know, enjoy, enjoy feast and that kind of stuff. Until then, and also he says in verse 32, but after I'm raised up, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. He tells them to go two places. One place is really, really important. Go to the Father's kingdom. We are all heading there together. The second place is less important from a big picture perspective, but important logistically. I'm going to be in Galilee after I'm resurrected, right? After I am raised from the dead, that's where I'm going, so meet me there. He tells them to go two places. But actually, right in between these, he says something else that I think is even more important. He tells them about another place that they are to go, that they are drawn to. And that's what I want to focus on this morning. We have here in verses 26 through 28, I know it's a lot of text up here, but I wanted to keep it all in one unit so we could see it all at one time. And these are the words. Jesus took a loaf of bread, and after blessing it, he broke it gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. In this moment, in this very tense moment where they're remembering the Passover, they're remembering the sacrifice of the lamb, he's telling them that he's going to die, he's telling them they're going to betray him, he takes bread, he gives thanks, he breaks it, and he says, this is my body, broken for you. And then he gives them a command, take and eat it. This is my body broken for you. And then he takes the cup, and he does the same thing. Take this and drink of it, all of you, because this is my blood of the covenant poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. And he hands it to them. 
ultimately what he's doing. The most important thing that Jesus is doing in this text is he's pointing the disciples to himself. He's saying, I'm the place that there's forgiveness of sin. I'm the place that you're going to be led. And ultimately, he's giving them this very this physical reminder, this physical thing, and he's saying, this is my body. Now, the New Testament is actually written in uh, what's called Koine Greek. It was kind of the everyday Greek language that uh, people would speak at that time. But in Jerusalem and Judea, in the, where the Israelites lived, they wouldn't have spoken Greek day to day. Uh, they would have written in Greek. Official documents would have been in Greek, which is why our Gospels are in Greek. They actually spoke a language called Aramaic. And Aramaic is really interesting uh, because there's a way to say something to make it really, really, to really emphasize that this is a thing that is important, to focus in on this thing. Uh, there's a way that they can say this. And, and he actually uses that, that grammar to talk about this. He hands them the bread, and if we were to translate it literally, it would say, take, eat, this, my body. He cuts right down to it. There's no question. He cuts out all the extra words. Take, eat, this, my body. He's saying, this is really, really, really important that you take this and eat this, and that you eat this and understand that it is my body. He's pointing them to himself. And what we hear is that later on, as after Jesus was resurrected and the church began gathering, that they would have this meal every day in their homes. And eventually, as the church grew and they had to do some logistics and that kind of stuff, they started gathering on Sunday mornings before work. The first day of the week, because that's the day that Jesus was resurrected. And we're told in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and 11 that on the first Sunday of every week, the disciples or the, the Christians would gather together and they would have a meal. And this would be part of their meal. It would be the Lord's Supper. Which is why we do it today. Well, that's why we do it even to this day. We do this every Sunday. Because Jesus gathers us together no matter what's going on out in the world, no matter all the disruption and all the craziness that happens as we get here on Sunday mornings or throughout the week at our work, we come here every Sunday and we hear these words. This is my body. There is no question where Jesus is. He's here with us right now. And not only is he here with us right now, but we put something in our mouths to tell us he is in me. He dwells in me. He is part of me, and I am in him. And he hands us the cup. He says, this, my blood, for you. So we receive it. And we trust that Jesus is with us, that he dwells with us, and that he gives us his peace. Jesus is our shepherd, and he always points us back to himself. No matter what goes on in our lives, we get together on Sunday, and we hear, we are forgiven. You are forgiven because this is my body broken for you. This is my blood poured out for you. We're told also in 1 Corinthians that, uh, uh, or in the other Gospels, excuse me, in the other Gospels that Jesus added, a, there's another phrase here that isn't recorded in Matthew, but in some of the other Gospels it says that he broke it, he gave it to them, said, eat, this is my body given for you, and then he would say, do this in remembrance of me. Do this to remember me and to remember my sacrifice. Because Jesus knows something about us that we don't like to say. We don't like to admit. That we are sheep. That if we're honest with ourselves, we're kind of dumb sometimes. 
and we forget. It's not enough for us just to hear the gospel one time. It's not enough for us to just trust in Jesus one time, but he has to constantly remind us. He has to hammer it into us week in and week out. You are forgiven. You are forgiven because we tend to forget. We tend to not believe. We tend to not trust. And so we show up every Sunday and he says the same words. This is my body, which is broken for you, and this is my blood, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. I'm with you always to the end of the age. I will never leave you. I am always pursuing you. I am always here for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I'm reminding you. I'm reminding you of my love for you, of my sacrifice for you. Because this is the truth. We tend to forget. We're like sheep. We tend to not have peace. There are lots of things that go on in our world that we tend to forget God's goodness to us. Amidst all the confusion of our work and all the complications of family and all the complications of all the different things that go on, all the chaos that goes on in our life, we forget. We forget what Jesus has done for us. And so we gather every Sunday. We receive the bread and the wine and we trust that he is giving us his body and blood in that bread and wine and we trust that he is with us always to the very end of the age. Amen.